You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 445, and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. And I'm your co-host, Nick Schwatterer. Well, listeners, we have started a tradition. Nick and I recorded a holiday gift guide episode last year, and it was so fun that we're going to keep doing it each year. The rules are that the gifts might appeal to a developer in your life. And of course, everything will be linked up in the show notes. So, Nick, I'm going to have you kick it off. What is your first item? Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to do this episode. When you said the rules are, I got briefly nervous. I'm like, oh, what were the rules? But then it was like, yeah, like my appeal to a developer. And since I'm a developer, if it appeals to me, there's a non-zero chance it appeals to someone else, right? So, okay, let's kick it off. My first pick, I am going more dev side for this one, is a great book called Rebuilding Rails by Noah Gibbs. Now, this might sound Oh, you know, learning and stuff. But I got to tell you, it has the joy of a gift. It's a book that's been around for, I can't believe this, but like a decade. Talking to Noah about it, he is on my team. I'm currently doing a book club with it. Another team at my company is also doing a book club. And believe it or not, Brandon Weaver just started doing a book club with this book. You get Slack and videos. And if you're someone like me who spent many years slinging rails as a tool, but you really are like is a completely different domain of knowledge for application code for how do you do like auto loading and controllers and actual decent ORM and all these things. This is the book that handholds you through that whole step and you will build your own mini rails through it. And I think it'd be a great gift for the rails engineer in your life. So there you go. There's my first pick. I'm going to totally back you on this pick. So WNB.RB has a book club and I alternate with other people in terms of running the book club. And we're on book six, I believe. But book one was Rebuilding Rails and I led that one. And it was so fun. And I will say Noah was an absolute gem when we reached out to him about that we were going to be doing this. And he was so kind. And I love the fact that Noah puts the effort into updating the book. And Nick, I know so much more about Rack and appreciate Rack so much more because I went through that book. Yeah, it's fantastic. Like anyone who knows Noah, his personality and like his experience and care really comes through the book. And even just little things, right? Like maybe you saw things in the book that like you and I would definitely know, but maybe a first timer wouldn't. Like he just says, by the way, you see this, this is memoization. This is why we might do it. And his tone is very friendly and it's also accessible in that if you kind of lose the way with your code along with the book, there's a checkout you can do for every chapter to get back on track. And that's really helped with our book club. And the final thing I'll say is if anyone's using GitHub Copilot, I know it's been in the news recently. It's memorized this book. So like, (laughs) so for the bits, like if you want to be, I think you should get it into your fingers and type it yourself. But Like you don't have to copy paste if you did that because GitHub Copilot will know all the things from the book. So okay, so if you start typing ahead from an example in the book, it's going to fill it in for you. Yes, think about like it's memorized public code. So everybody who's pushed up their local copies of going along with this book onto GitHub, it has that copy. So it will auto-complete everything. You just got to make sure it's not auto-completing the next iteration that you're supposed to do after that. But yeah, we should do a different episode on Spooky moments with Copilot. I think that'd be interesting. I would love that. Okay, so I'm going to go on to my first pick, but I first have to confess to you, Nick, I did cheat a little. I did reach out to some people like to see what they thought would be good picks. And what's so funny is people gave me picks and it was things that I own that I love and it just didn't occur to me to put them on the list. So this is one that I actually own. 
Nick, you probably know this, but I'm a bit of a vampire. I am very happy and content to sit in the dark, which is not so conducive for Zoom calls. We just went through daylight savings. Please abolish daylight savings time, by the way, folks. (laughs) And now when I take a call around five o'clock, I am very much in the dark. And so uh, Jessica Sullivan from WNB reminded me that hue lights or any sort of LED lights is just amazing to have around your office because you can add like a subtle ambiance, like that additional light, and you can schedule it and time it and add different colors and really make it your own and make your office better lit, which is better for your eyes, but then also just create a better environment in terms of taking calls so that you're well lit. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Now, what do they look like? Are they like flat? Are they the pentagon-y kind of shaped lights that I've seen or hexagonal or what do they look like? So Philips Hue has a ton of different shapes. They have bulbs, they have strips. The one that I have, and I have one in my gym as well, is just like a light bar that I sit on the bottom. So it does that light from below. But I know what you're talking about, Nick. There's also those lights out there where you have those cool pentagon shapes and you can like put them onto your wall and have them do a range in colors. I'll admit to you, if I had something like that, I would be very distracted at work (laughs) if they were doing sort of animations and things like that. But simple hue lights that you can tie to a smart device so that way you can schedule them or have them go along with your music. Whatever your vibe is, there is light out there for you. So, Brittany, what you're saying to me is they some programmatical aspect to them, right? Absolutely. So I could have my build kite failure. (laughs) <laughs> my room will go dark red and remind me to go check my build, right? Exactly. Oh, that's actually a really good idea. <laughs> or like, I love hooking multiple APIs together. And you said about music. I know Spotify is a huge API. I don't know if you can like export genres, but I definitely bet you could do color mapping to genres and have a different color for every genre you're listening to when it changes. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good idea. So having like just like a soft blue for jazz and then like a neon yellow for EDM would be very cool. Yeah. And then like maybe if you could get the rhythm, but this is very cool. I'm definitely looking into that one. And you said you had a strip from below, like below your monitor or like facing Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I have it below on the left side of me. So that way the light is coming up over my desk and onto my monitor and to my face. So I have a ring light as well, like a very tiny Instagram influencer type light that's supposed to light you nicely. But for me, it's a bit bright. Like I said, I'm a little bit of a vampire, so I really like to have a soft light. And typically during the day, I'm only lit by sunlight. So as we're heading into the winter, I'm losing that light. And so I really need to have something there to balance it out. Well, that's awesome. Well, I'll officially declare to our listeners, we didn't run these before each other before time. So this is going to cancel out one of my picks. So I lined one up that was lighting related, but I think it's in the same space. If you've ever heard of the Elgato key light, I don't know that one. It's a bit pricey, to be honest. I just had a look, but I'd gotten it when I was recording my Kaigi talk like last year, which just to get good face illumination to speak. So you have lighting too. But the thing that I'd found, and similar to what you said, is you can control the hue. And so I actually spend most of my days with it pointed to like the ceiling and like giving my room the hue it wants because it actually lights up really, really well. So I'm not really doing that as a formal pick because I think it's a lighting thing, but I'll include a link as well. Okay, cool. Well, let's go to your next pick. This is something I don't own, but I want. Okay. So this is a different category and it's in that kind of hacking, trying out things. So recently I tweeted a joke saying that I was going to sell you a button that would ping an endpoint and you'd pay a bunch of money for this button. 
And then you get a monthly subscription for like a thousand uses of your butt, right? <laughs> and then somebody DM'd, messaged me and I found out that AWS has an IoT programmable button. I'm like, what are you talking about? So they demoed this with a few things that I think are discontinued now, but like where you could press a button and add detergent to your cart, things like that. But this is something that I don't even know the full limits of it, but it interfaces with, I think, as much AWS tooling, IoT tooling that you could imagine. But it takes away the issue that I had is I don't want to build an Arduino that is a button and then solder it in and then have to like figure out how to get it to hook up to the Wi-Fi. All that annoyed me. I just wanted to hook up the cool stuff that the button did. So I think this might be my solution where I can give someone a button or I can have a button, but then I can have it registered and hooked up to the cloud to do whatever crazy stuff I want. Like, for example, like turning on a light in someone's house or something like far away. But the possibilities are endless. It's the AWS IoT programmable button. I'd definitely be looking to get my hands on one. Well, this just even further proves that Nick and I did not talk about these ahead of time because I have one, Nick. (laughs) What? What? Tell me what you do with it. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I have one because my past job, they would send us to AWS reInvent every single year. And so I was very clever. You choose workshops to go to, but often the workshops have really vague names. And the way that you play it is if you're going to reInvent, you want to choose workshops that have like vague machine learning names, because then what happens is you show up at the workshop and then they're like, surprise, we have this new device. You're going to learn how to use this device and you get to take one home. And that is how I managed to score so many cool AWS things. Uh So what we had the IoT button for was actually deploying production. Did we do it a lot? No, (laughs) but our site was hosted on AWS. And so what we did is we configured the button to hit an endpoint to hit code deploy. And so it would essentially pull down the main branch and go through its processes to deploy. I have heard some horror stories, Nick, where people get the IoT buttons and they set them out and kids go and slap them. Oh, no. (laughs) And someone got, I think, 40 40 packages of detergent. So, you know, it is a weapon that you wield. (laughs) But it's very cool. That must have been so satisfying to deploy with a button. It really was. That makes me think of just my one tangent for the podcast. When I used to work at Chef, there was a playlist that was shared with me that when some of their big deployments would go out in the days of having offices, right? There was an automated playlist that would play over the speakers. And it was called like, is like the Chef deployment playlist. And it started out with the final countdown. I've got it somewhere. And they said, there's a big problem if you reach the end of that playlist. And it was still deploying. I'm going to take a moment to tell you all about Honey Badger's cron job and heartbeat monitoring. How important are cron jobs to your business? For me, they are absolutely mission critical. Honey Badger monitors your cron jobs and services to make sure that they don't silently disappear. When Honey Badger is quiet, life is good. Have you ever considered implementing heartbeat monitoring? Honey Badger also makes that incredibly simple as well. Honey Badger gives you a URL, then you call the URL. If Honey Badger stops hearing from you within the configured time period, they're going to go ahead and alert you. Honey Badger just keeps adding more and more tooling that all developers need. To dive into all of this, head on over to honeybadger.io. Well, I'm going to keep with the theme then of buttons. I love how we've got some themes going on here. <laughs> Oralie Vero gave me this idea. She has a golden button that sits on her desk. And whenever she does something cool, she presses it. And she can hear a song that she recorded. 
And so for her, the song is This Girl is on Fire. And she said it's really great for beating imposter syndrome. I love this so, so much. It is a relatively inexpensive button that you can get on Amazon. And I will link this all up in the show notes. But I love the idea that you have a button that you do, you know, when something's going well. I worked at a job and I'm curious if this has ever been true for you, Nick, you know, when we're back in office. I worked at a job where we actually had a gong and every time Uh a sales team scored a sale, they would hit the gong. And then my partner, his office, every time they get a sale, they had a server play music. And what's funny is years later, most of them don't go to the office anymore. The server still does it and nobody knows where it's coming from. And so it's just like this weird ghost that kind of haunts their office. (laughs) I'm curious, have you ever been in a situation where music played other than chef that everyone could hear? No, that's interesting because I like two of the subjects here. We're in such a digital world. Like even now we're talking at great distance through the cloud or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then all this stuff would create what we call buttons, but they're just squares or color on a screen. But I like when we can use that same superpower and make it tactile or audio sound in a room, a button in a room. And that's so cool when you can bring that interaction. And also, by the way, celebrating wins. I think that we definitely need to encourage more, especially if you're dealing with imposter. The only sound thing that came to mind for me is more of a product thing is Shopify. One of our product features that we get the most feedback on and devs, it's like the simplest thing, but it's amazing how it has a huge impact is the cha-ching sound when you get a sale. Oh, yes. Like even people selling millions. I imagine that's going off all the time, but they're like, I love the cha-ching sound. And, you know, to you and me, like engineers are like, oh, but that's so easy to make a noise when something happens. But think about the customer. It's like a huge impact, but definitely we'll be getting one of those buttons and definitely love the song choice. I'm guessing you can pick which song you want. You totally can. Awesome. Well, going far away from button life, I've got another pick for us here today. This is, is this my only, yeah, subscription? So last year I had a subscription one. This one's going to be subscription. And it's to something called Rome Research. Brittany, have you heard of Rome? I have not. Tell me all about it. So Rome Research is essentially a note-taking app. I think there's a mobile version, but it's primarily usually on desktop. Can you use it in the cloud or securely encrypted on your machine? And their kind of tagline is, it's as easy to use as a document, as powerful as a graph database, and it helps you organize your, well, they'll say research for the long haul. It just gives you a simple, you can just go in and it, the default would be like the today's date and it's all bullet pointed to start. And you just write whatever you want. And there's a few little things. You can use double brackets to create a topic that everything that references that is linked onto a new page you can click into. You can actually bracket things after. So I've been using this for a few years. So I could literally bracket the word frustrated and get a page with a list of every time I wrote the word frustrated. You can do it for open note taking. So you can do like morning notes where you're just freestyling all of your thoughts of the day, or you can document work. So I might work on a project. We don't formally use it at Shopify anymore. So this is a bit outside of work. There's things we can and can't use on our machines, obviously. In fact, right now I wrote my list for what I wanted to talk about in this episode. I tag people. So I'd say I had a meeting with Tim today and this is what happened at the meeting. And I can always go back and look. Now you aren't always going back and looking. Another thing that I like to keep a document of is I call it my spell book. Whenever you find things at work that you want to remember, but aren't their own page. So like maybe a cool pull request where somebody did a cool thing in Hotwire and you want to remember that forever. Or maybe like a copy paste, you enter in the shell to do this weird thing that you always forget. 
But I do, yeah, all of my note taking in Rome and it's paid, but say go on a tutorial. I don't even use all the features. I'm probably about 15%, 20% deep on its feature offering, but it has been a part of my life for now, maybe a year and a half. That's so cool. So is it a mobile application and a desktop application? Yeah, and the browser. I'd probably use it most in the browser on my personal machine. And there's a few other people I know at work. I believe Toby's said nice things about it too. But again, like the org, it's not like a greenlit application for security purposes because it does talk to the cloud. So you don't want to be like in the web browser and like writing Shopify's deepest secrets or anything. And by the way, it's spelled R-O-A-M, research. So we'll put it in the show notes. The last thing I'll say about it is I feel like so many tools have even come out since I've started using this. If listeners have things they're using, I'll see like Andrew Mason just post, oh, I wrote this in this thing that I've never heard of. And I'll be like, ah, there's other cool stuff out there. So I'm open to trying out new tooling. You know, it's like you get used to something and you kind of stick with it. No, I totally hear you. And I kind of love that there's like this marketplace that's been emerging of people that are teaching tutorials on how to be power users of tools like that, because (laughs) you're totally right. It's so easy to adopt a tool like that and only use 10% of it. And then to have someone show you, oh, by the way, did you know it does this really cool thing that's going to save you like hours of your day? is something that I need to invest more time into. I've seen so many people out there saying, how can I optimize RubyMine, VS Code? But things like note-taking, you hear people say, oh, it's already been done. Why are people still doing note-taking? It's (laughs) not solved. It's not solved whatsoever. No, and we've listened to a lot of podcasts over the years, you and I remember Ben Orenstein saying something about how he would get into these rituals or ideas for like Mm -hmm. three to six months was just like a constant pattern. You'd be like, I'm doing this thing at either note-taking or stretching or like something or meditation. And then six months later, you're doing a new thing, which I used to think was a sign of failure, but maybe it's a sign of finding match fit for the time. So like, I'm using this now and it's great for me. Two years from now, I might be like, oh, I can never use that again. Listeners, whatever you're using. Also, even just things we already use, like VS Code. This would be another half hour discussion. But every other day, because we do use it at work, I'm learning things that I didn't know I could do with it, right? So like even tooling, we have to use. There's just so much to do. Agreed. You just set me up so well to go into my next item because it's around habits. Now, Nick, I don't know if you have this problem. I have a really bad problem around drinking water. I don't like water. It's not (laughs) my thing. I recently started dabbling back into pop again, which I should not be doing. And yes, listeners, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It is pop. It's pop. It's pop. (laughs) But I recently invested into Circle and that is spelled C-I-R-K-U-L. And essentially it's this new type of water bottle. And the way that it works is you fill it up with water and then you have replaceable, recyclable filters that you screw into the top of the bottle. And from there, you can choose your flavors. And then from the filter itself, you can choose how intense the flavor is going to be. So you have a one through 10 and you can refill it several times and still keep that flavor. But I find myself drinking a lot more water, have the bottle in my hand right now. And we'll see if I can keep up this habit because I know that I will feel better And I will be more flexible and my skin will be more clear if I drink more water. I just need to get into the habit. This episode is sponsored by JetBrains RubyMine. RubyMine is an intelligent cross-platform IDE that provides all essential tools for Ruby and Ruby on Rails developers out of the box. 
It offers smart code completion and analysis, easy code navigation, safe automated refactorings, and interactive debugger, Git workflow support, database integration, and many other tools. All tools are integrated together in a highly customizable, productive, user-friendly environment. To get a special 20% discount for the listeners of the Ruby on Rails podcast, just enter the discount code RAILSPODCAST during the purchase. You can apply this discount to JetBrains All Products Pack and use IDEs of your choice. Link will be in the show notes. Thanks to JetBrains for sponsoring the show. I feel like, you know, how people post their, like, their sleep number. What is your favorite flavor and intensity right now? Oh, good question. Okay, so they have all types of flavors. They have sports drink ones. They have lemonades. They have coffees. I find the coffee one, that seems gross to me, but hey, to each their own. (laughs) I don't know, like a watered down coffee. I like my coffee strong, Nick. So like the idea of a watered down coffee is not my jam. (laughs) But I am very much a lemonade person and I'm pretty proud of the fact I keep it at about a three. So, I mean, turn it to a seven and it will smack you in the face. I'm currently loving a strawberry lemonade out of three. Because we live in different countries, obviously. So like, Mm -hmm. it's good that we're both doing this because I'm giving things that you can definitely get in Europe. You're giving things and hopefully we can get everything everywhere. But is it just neutral flavor or do they have things like get a B12 boost or any of that? Or is it just... Oh, they sure do. They have caffeinated ones. They have a creme brulee iced coffee. Really? (laughs) Is it clear or does it come through as the color of coffee? That's such a good question. I don't know because you can either choose a plastic see-through bottle or you can choose stainless steel. And I was feeling fancy that day. So I don't see what I'm drinking. And so you're essentially drinking it and it's pulling it through the filter. So already, if you don't like the taste of water at home, if you don't like the taste Mm. of tap water, it's already going to taste better without the flavor. But then having that flavor profile on top of it really like... Just sitting it in front of me and making it like a habit that I grab for after I've finished speaking has been a real improvement for me. Listen, thank you for sharing that because I've had that issue. I find water so boring and I've gotten better. I don't even want to talk about how much pop I used to drink, like medically not good amounts. But now it's, oh, well, I can only have so many coffees a day. So I'm having lots of peppermint tea, decaf coffee, something to make it interesting. Oh, Diet Coke is a treat, you know. So like something like this, I think would totally solve that problem. I think not seeing it's such a good idea because the psychology of what the flavor is, because like the color will totally change your impression. Most people won't know that Mountain Dew's number one ingredient is concentrated orange juice because it's green. By the way, that's true. Google it, people listening. If it was clear and they said, oh, it's creme brulee, that might mess with me. But if it's in a stainless steel glass, so I will definitely get that. I love things that will be good for you in the long run. Because I was talking to Brittany before the call about getting older myself and things that are good for you, but don't diminish your happiness. Those are free wins. I totally agree. I was super concerned about it being recyclable because I don't know if you know this, the inventor of the Keurig pods is very upset as to how those went. I mean, this caused like a ton of trash over it. And so it was important to me that they were recyclable. Because in the long run, I'm going to buy less bottles of things because let's admit it, I wasn't drinking water to begin with it. But I love that that I can switch these flavors out. And in some ways, it's also kind of a mental shift. I got four bottles done. Now I can screw in the next flavor and it's just the same bottle, but it feels different. So it is definitely a mental shift and I highly recommend it. I might have a referral code. I'm not positive. If I do, I will link that up in the show notes. And listeners, if you buy it and I get pods, you know, I ain't going to be mad. 
(laughs) And I can write reminders in Rome. I'm going to write a date. So I'm going to remind myself next year to only pick things that I could give you referral codes for. (laughs) And just like load up on the referrals. I'm not leveraging this at all. I love that. Okay, Nick. Well, what's your next one? My next one. And it's go big. Let's say you're an American engineer and you've got like some options that have been piling up and you get acquired. So you got some money or maybe, you know, (laughs) this is not the case for anyone who works in a tech company the last two years. But let's say it's your company blew up. So you're like RSUs are good and you want to sell some and get a treat for yourself or for your partner. And say you have the problem that you really like playing AAA games, but you know, like PC games, but unfortunately it destroys your social life at home because you're just in a room and you kind of like, dang, I want to be hanging out with other people in my home. I really want to be playing this game. Worry no more. My big blowout gift recommendation for 2022 is the Steam Deck, which I just got in the last month and a half. Some people either say, oh yeah, Steam Deck. Wow, that's going to take a long time because of the waiting list and it's very expensive. Or you're going to say, what in the world's a Steam Deck? For the second group, I'll say, if you're familiar with Steam, which is a platform that lets you purchase games, you know, like all the games like Elden Ring or Skyrim, all the big ones that you need a powered PC to play, and are familiar with a Nintendo Switch, which lets you sit on your sofa and play all these fun games, you'll know the limitation with the Switch is you can't play like the big new 2022 non-Nintendo games that require a lot. So Fallout 4 is 2015, you know, Elden Ring. Steam Deck brings all that power to the handheld, and I have been logging so many hours. I've been playing Euro Truck Simulator this week. At a week off, I was logging hours into all these games that I haven't been able to play over the years. So if that's your situation and you want to spend a bit more dough, that is my big pricey recommendation. Okay, so essentially Steam is a SaaS platform, right? Like yeah. you pay, okay. And so is this their first foray into hardware? I think they've done little things over the years, but yeah, primarily Steam would be the place you go to buy your games, like on your laptop or your PC. So if you wanted to go play Civilization or if you wanted to go play Portal and you'd have your Steam library and the big comedy about it is they do these sales where a game on your wish list will be 85% off. So you end up building up more games than you have time to play. Welcome to me and Buck. <laughs> so I yeah. understand. So they just said, you know what? So there's thousands of games that work on the Steam Deck some better than others, but if you're a programmer, you can handle it. Nintendo Switch is flawless with every game. There's some games that on the Steam Deck you might need to do a little. It's a proper PC, so you can Bluetooth your AirPods, your PlayStation controller, your keyboard. You can use it as a PC. You can plug it into a monitor. Like It does all those things that us hackers love as well as being a full PC in the body of a slightly larger Nintendo Switch. And it's so much fun, and I heartily recommend it to people. Is this as hard to get as a PlayStation 5 or is this readily available? Oh, I'm so sorry. That's the one thing about the timing. They definitely wrapped up production. I think I pre-ordered in June and I got it in like August, September. That'll make it challenging. I don't know how long the waiting lists are at the minute. I think they are catching up manufacture. Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to go on to my next pick, which is a pretty practical one. I'm curious if you own these, Nick. This idea came from Mina Slater. And that is a pair of blue light glasses. I do not own a pair currently. And so I had to dive into this because I know they've been around for a couple of years now. And so I wanted to see if there were stylish pairs out there. And I found the Felix Gray Jemison eyeglasses. 
because they're pretty subtle looking and they were one of the brands that popularized the idea of wearing blue light blocking glasses at the office. And they have a daytime glasses filter. So more than 50% of the blue light spectrum and 90% of the most impactful wavelengths are getting blocked. And as someone who has a hard time putting down the devices before bed or probably just in general, I should own something like this. I'm curious if you have a pair already. No, I haven't. And I've seen these glasses around, but I don't know much about them. So is it blue light is damaging for like eye tiredness, exhaustion, wearing out your brain as well? Is it that kind of stuff that it's bad for? Yeah, basically it stimulates a part of your brain that makes it difficult for you to go to sleep. And so it helps reduce eye strain as Uh well. And you can definitely get blue light glasses where they're paired with prescription lenses or reading glasses. So a good example is I have prescription sunglasses because I cannot drive without glasses on. It's funny, many people meet me and they have no idea that I do wear glasses because I don't need them over a Zoom call. Yeah. But I very much need them if I need to see a conference talk or drive. And so for me, like the only way that I would adopt like blue light glasses is if I can integrate them into the rest of the things that I need. That's so cool. Yeah, I'd be really interested to hear about those experiences because I'm really into the lighting situation, which that follows, you know, like the brightness of my screen. I'm very conscious with the height of my monitor, the size of text. I'm already thinking about a lot of that. I definitely resent how much I use the phone before bed. Something like that would be of great interest. So even if this was the Brittany recommending Nick holiday gift guide podcast, I think I'm definitely into it. So I'm writing down all your stuff, too. I mean, of course, for the show notes, but I'm also very interested in your picks as well. This has been a lot of fun. Do you have any more picks, Nick? I have a little one, the cheapest one. So, folks, you need to deck out your office. You're thinking about all the latest, coolest stuff. That's why you're listening to this podcast. But have you thought about the past? Something that might be incredibly cheap to get and very low electric usage today? Probably not. Something that I got recently, and I'm loving it every day, a lava lamp. A lava lamp's been around for like 50 years. It seems like a weird, dated, kitschy thing. But I got to tell you, when you switch that thing on in your office or have it in the background to spice up your Zoom call, and about an hour later, the little blobs of wax, whatever, start going up and down, will bring you way more happiness than like the 10 or $20 you spent getting it. So I definitely recommend a lava lamp. It's okay. big one. What color did you go with? Or can you change the colors? It was a gift. It was blue very standard lava lamp color, but I think I've seen them in like all the colors for sure. First time you fire it up, you'll be like, you won't know it's an hour till it like gets going. So you're just staring, you're like starting to move. It's starting to move. Eventually you'll get the full show. I love that. Well, I will wrap up then with my last pick. So I am headed to RubyConf mini next week, which Mm. feels like it's coming so fast. I'm excited. And Julia Evans is going to be giving a talk. I don't know if you're familiar with her work on wizard zines. These are the programming zines that Julia puts together. And so on her site, you can buy these zines in color. And there are some that I absolutely need. There's one called Help. I have a manager. There's (laughs) Oh Shit Git. Hell Yes CSS. How (laughs) containers work. Just really great. Zines, she has a way of explaining things that we take for granted, like DNS really well, bash, things that we just don't dig into as much. And so you can buy PDFs of these zines or you can buy like these packages on the sites. We'll definitely link that all up. 
I am super excited to hear Julia talk in person. And I think it's really important that we support these developers out there who are being creative and out there teaching things and grab some stickers. We all like stickers, don't we, Nick? Mm. (laughs) It's all good stuff. And so just really well illustrated, really great work here. Oh my gosh. I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but Julia Evans is in one of those rare categories of take all my money. Do you have anything to take my money? At one point, I wanted like one of the things she was selling and I just went to her website, looked at my bank account and said, no, take it, just take it. I want all of your things because like you say, the way she writes, I feel pretty embarrassed about my bash. Oh, hey, now I feel like accessible, like really high quality learning in a friendly way. And then similarly, you might feel the same way about CSS or Git, anything. And it's some of the best content. I think Julie is a treasure of the community. I'm infinitely jealous to see her speak. I'm super excited. Well, Nick, this has been so fun. Listeners, if you end up purchasing any of these gifts or think they're a great idea or think there there was anything missing on our list, please tweet at us. We'll link up our Twitter handles in the show notes as well. Nick, I am super excited to have this as a tradition and I'm excited for 2023. Me too. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.